morning, Oak Mountain. Good morning. It's good to be with you. My name's Chad Walker, one of the pastors on staff. It's really good to be with you. If you have your Bibles or if you have it on your phone, you can go ahead and turn in or turn on your Bibles to Psalm 27. That's where we're going to be today, Psalm 27. We are uh, studying a psalm, or looking at a psalm each week over the summer that correlates with our devotion that we have called A Good Confession. And if you don't have one, we'd love to give you one for free. We'd love to give one to each household. So please take one uh, for yourself. would love for you to have that. About a year ago, uh, I preached a sermon uh, about the Christian discipline of lamenting and the, and the role that that plays in our life. Uh, lamenting and how that plays out, how we engage with hardships and sufferings of life. And I honestly, after that sermon, got more feedback and more conversation that happened from that sermon than any other thing I've ever talked about before. And it was so good to see how the Lord began to use that as he was using it in my own life to think about how to deal with hardships and sufferings of life. One of the things that came out of those conversations was several people saying, you know, that was great to hear about that, but I would love to hear more about how we find hope in the Lord. And I do too. But honestly, as I prepared for that and gave that sermon, there was one quote by a guy named Dan Allender that continued to rattle around in my mind. And it was a quote where he said that our culture is committed to escaping the veil of sorrow. And that really rang true in my own experience of life as well as many other people that I've talked to. And so the psalm we're going to look at today is taking basically the part two of lament and looking at what it, what it means to deal with the hardships of life. There is a way in which we can have hope. There is a way in which we can trust the Lord and have confidence in Him. So a quick review. What does lament mean? We don't use that word very often. It's more of a religious word most of the time. But lament just means we give a complaint to God, to cry out, and to be really honest about how we feel with the pain that we're dealing with. It's honest feelings, no sugarcoating at all. This is how we feel, Lord. And guess what? He can take it. He already knows how we feel. We don't have to make it sound like it's some great thing or it's better than it really is or minimize it or quickly go to the positive, which we tend to do, or look to something else to medicate us in our pain. But God can handle it, and he wants to hear from us. And so part of the process of dealing with hardships and suffering, as 2020 has already been throwing so much at us, lamenting is the first step in that process. But as we lament... You are right, that we do long for and we do crave to have hope and to have confidence in the Lord. And so what we're going to look at today is what I call the power of and. The power of and is a powerful thing. I love thinking about the idea of and. Matter of fact, in my office, I have a little symbol of the ampersand symbol, which is on your keyboard for and. And I love it because it shows that this is not the end of the story. We're in the middle of it and we're in the middle of the process of what it's like to take our hardships and sufferings to the Lord. And so the power of and is a very powerful thing. Matter of fact, Coke Zero, you may have seen a commercial recently. They showed a commercial. They were onto this idea of the power of and. And they showed this little boy getting an ice cream cone at the ice cream shop. And he gets the ice cream. And then he looks at the, at the guy that gave it to him and said, and? And the guy said, oh. And then he puts the sprinkles on it and the whipped cream and the cherry on top. He's like, yes, I got what I wanted. And then you see another scene where a guy's interviewing for a job, and the employer says, congratulations, you've got the job. And the guy that's taking the job says, and? And the guy says, stock options? 
And you can see that the power van really does have an effect. It shows many more clips and things within that commercial. And Coke Zero was on to that, know that there's, there's more to the story than just that. And so as we turn to this psalm today that we're going to look at in Psalm 27, we can see that we are surrounded by hardships. We must pass through those. We, get, we begin with lamenting, but we don't end here. It is the starting point, but it's not the end. This psalm is categorized by a lot of people as a psalm of lament, but most people look at this psalm as a psalm of trust and confidence. It has its own category altogether. There's only two other psalms, or there's two psalms, including this one, that would be categorized as a psalm of trust and confidence. And most psalms of lament make this movement from lament to trusting in the Lord. And so we can lament over the trials we face, and we can find our hope and confidence in the Lord. We can cry out, we can complain, we can grieve, and we can find hope and confidence. It's a process that we move through personally, relationally, dynamically, and emotionally with the Lord. So as we look at this passage, I want you to see that David, as he's surrounded by all the hardships and sufferings and threats against him, that he is prone to give in to fear, but yet he's not, because he's walking through this process just like me and you are. And we see what he's, what he's communicating to us here, that finding our refuge in the Lord is, well, sorry, finding our refuge in the Lord by trusting him gives us the hope and confidence that we long and crave. Let me say that one more time. Finding our refuge in the Lord by trusting him gives us the hope and confidence that we crave and long for. So if you would, will you stand with me as I read Psalm 27? Let's read it together. Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it's they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. The one thing I have asked of the Lord and that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. And to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in a day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent, and he will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above the enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, Seek my face. And my heart says to you, Your face, Lord, I do seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away of anger, O you who have been my help. Cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and mother have forsaken me, but the Lord takes me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Let us pray. Lord, I pray that you would be with us today, that your spirit would move in such a way that you would challenge us and encourage us in the ways that you see fit. May you reveal yourself even more, as David talks about, that we would gaze upon your beauty, that your word would be sharper than a double-edged sword, and be living and active in our lives. I pray you meet with us today. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. 
So what are the next steps after we're lamenting and we have been lamenting over the hardships of even just 2020 this year alone? Well, the first step we can see in this passage is run to his refuge as you worship. Run to his refuge as you worship. The word seek here is used three times in this psalm. And seek is a strong word. In verse 4, the one thing that I seek, the one thing, seeking after, the running after, he seeks the Lord. Verse 8, the Lord says, seek my face. And he says, I do seek your face, Lord. I want to. And that word seek is such a strong word. It means to take hold of, to take possession of. It's your sole aim and purpose, what you're seeking after. And the seeking my face in verse 8 is God's personal invitation to us. See, one of God's greatest gifts that he gives us is we have an unhindered access to him. Unhindered access to him. And that is the truest joy the truest delight, and the truest safety that we'll experience to know that we have an unhindered access to the Lord. You know, it sounds a lot like Matthew 6.33, where it says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Colossians 3.1, Seek the things that are above. We can see this theme running throughout Scripture to seek the Lord. See, we can be hurting And at the same time, we can be seeking and running towards God for his refuge. And worship. As we worship, David, in verses 4 through 6, that even Bob talked about in the beginning as our our call to worship, David gives us a great picture of what it looks like to worship the Lord. He wants to dwell in his house. He wants to stay in the Lord's presence. And he wants to gaze upon his beauty. He wants to inquire in his temple. That word also means meditate. He wants to think on the Lord. And he gives his offerings and his sacrifices and shouts of joy and singing to the Lord. And he's praying to him. It sounds a lot like Psalm 63. Some of you may be familiar with that psalm. It says, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul is thirsty for you. My my flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I've looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and your glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. So my lips will praise you. What traits of the Lord is David seeing here that causes him to praise God in this way? Well, verse 1, we see that God is his light. He is our light. He is our salvation. He is our stronghold. Verse 4, he's seeing the beauty of the Lord. When it's talking about face, it says, seek my face. It's saying, seek the visible part of who I am. I know in our confession, we know and believe that God is invisible, but there are certain aspects to God that he reveals to us, and we can see those things. And even verse 13 says that David longs to see the goodness of the Lord. So do you... Think and meditate. Are you able to meditate on the Lord and his character and his traits as we sing these songs together? Do you see these characteristics being revealed to you throughout the week? And how are ways in which you are running and seeking after the Lord for his refuge during these times? One of my favorite verses in all scripture is Jeremiah 29, 13. Not to be confused with 29, 11, which is a lot of people's favorite verse. But two verses later, it says, in 13, it says, You will seek me, and you will find me 
when you seek me with all of your heart. That is a promise that we will find the Lord as we seek him. And so as we read this psalm and other places to seek after the Lord, we know that he can be found. He does not conceal himself from his people and his children. He reveals himself to us. It reminds me of something that's happened just recently. Some of you may have heard this. There's a wealthy uh, art dealer named Forrest Finn, and he had a treasure chest that he filled literally full of gold, jewelry, and artwork, and he hid it in an undisclosed location somewhere in the Rocky Mountains about 10 years ago. And then he wrote a book called The Thrill of the Chase and a poem, and he claimed that in the book and the poem, he left so many clues where people, if they really sought after this treasure, they would, find the, they would be able to find it from his clues. And so this began a movement over the past 10 years. There's been thousands of people that have either visited the Rocky Mountains or moved there in the search for this treasure. There have been five people that have even died trying to explore dangerous places looking for this treasure. There's been movies based on this, documentaries, TV shows, blogs, and even other books. People were so adamant to find this treasure. Well, just two weeks ago, they found the treasure. Someone found it. And Forrest Finn himself confirmed that this treasure was found. And as I heard that, and I'm thinking on this psalm, I began to think about the one thing that I seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord. That I may find the one that can be found. That's promised that we can find him. What a great promise that we have. How about for us? Remember, one of his greatest gifts that he gives us is this unhindered access to him. <clears throat> Are you running after him? Do you believe that he can be found? Or do you sometimes feel like it's a fool's errand to seek after him like this treasure? What's the point? He's invisible. How can I find him? But maybe he's more visible and accessible than we think he is. And let me remind you of Hebrews 11.6. that says, for it is impossible, for without faith it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So as we pursue and run and seek after the Lord day in and day out, it leads us to the next theme that it, next theme that it talks about here in the Psalms, our second point, which is remain in his refuge as you wait. Remain in his refuge as you wait upon him. Wait's used two times in the last verse. Explicitly and emphatically, he's saying, wait upon the Lord. Wait for the Lord. Wait for him. This is our response. This is how we respond to seeing the Lord here. And that word wait is not a passive sit back, sit on your hands, twiddle your thumbs, and just wait. It's an active, eager hopeful expectation of something to come to pass, something to happen. Wait, it will happen. Wait, it will happen. Verse 13 is right before it shows us why he's saying wait. What does David say here in verse 13? David says that he trusts that he will see the Lord's goodness. He trusts that he'll see it, so he waits. So here's the power of and again. I don't see the Lord's goodness now, and I know that I will, therefore I will trust the Lord, and I will wait. Here's the power of and. 
Verse 14, again, back to that verse where it says, wait. He says, be strong. Let your heart take courage. He's going straight for the heart because this is a heart issue for us. He's dealing with our heart as we're waiting for him. He's saying, will you trust me? Do you believe that I'm really going to be there for you? Do you really trust and sense that I'm with you even right now? See, my heart wants to pray like David does in Psalm 9. Psalm 90, I would pray this way. Lord, don't hide from me. Don't turn away. Don't cast me off. Don't forsake me, Lord. Please don't. Please don't leave me. I came across Eugene Peterson's interpretation of the Bible called The Message. In this last verse, he had a great quote. I love it. It says, stay with Yahweh. Take heart. Don't quit. Stay with Yahweh. So stay with the Lord. Wait on him. He will be there. You know, this reminds me of the movie Cast Away with Tom Hanks, who's playing crash on a deserted island, for, and he was there for four years. And what is he doing? He's waiting to get off the island. He's hoping to get off the island. And the one thing that he seeks in the movie is the face of his wife as he looks on it to give him hope, to give him confidence that he's going to make it off. And what do we see in this movie about actively waiting? That even in the midst of terrible circumstances that he can lament, and it is hard, and he can wait for rescue and find hope and confidence in the midst of all of this. So how are you losing heart? What does it look like for you to be losing heart? How are you giving in to fear? What keeps you up at night? What gets your heart racing, your adrenaline pumping, your thoughts begin to go on loop? How are we losing heart? What relationships drive you to fear? What big decisions are looming that cause you dread? Is there fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of being unwanted, unneeded, of being useless? What are the fears that cause you to lose heart? And as you think about that, I want to to go to the one thing, this major enduring thread throughout this entire psalm. It's our last point, which, which is remember his refuge as he wins. W-I-N-S, as he wins. Why can we be confident and hopeful? Because he's the one that wins our battles. There is so much we're not in control of, and yet he is because he's a sovereign God. He is a warrior. That is in his character. He's the one that does battle on our behalf. He is the one who protects his people. Verses 1 through 6, the first six verses here, all David is doing is making a declaration of the confidence that he has in the Lord. And then he shows us that not only does God promise, but he also acts. He says that he's my light and my salvation, my stronghold. He hides, he conceals me, he lifts me high, and he lifts my head even above my enemies. See, David can look back and he can look around and see that the Lord has been with him and the Lord has been his refuge. Back to verse 14, it says, be strong. It says, wait for the Lord, be strong. That word strong is a strong word that means prevail, to win, excuse me, and to overpower. It's strong. Be strong. 
And then let your heart take courage. I love this aspect here. Love, let your heart take courage. Take it for yourself. It doesn't mean that you are courageous, but you can take the courage. And that word courage is a little tricky. Actually, what the word is in the Greek version would be the word Nike. Now, we know that as sports apparel company, but that word Nike took it from this word, and the word Nike means victory. So let your heart take the victory as your own. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take hold of the victory that the Lord has won for you and on your behalf. It reminds me of Romans 8, 37 through 39, one of the greatest chapters in all of Scripture. At the end of it, it talks about in a paragraph of how we'll never be separated from the love of Christ. He will not let anything separate us from his love. But in there, he talks about how we are more than conquerors. We're not just conquerors, but we're more than conquerors. The way it's been translated is overwhelmingly conquer, that we, there is complete, or we have complete triumph, and we have won, or have been won, a most thorough victory. That's what it means to be more than a conqueror. That is why we can take heart and take courage, and why we can wait upon the Lord, because the Lord does win our battles. He fights on our behalf. And we can say with David in verse 1, we can have no fear because he is our light and he is our salvation. You know, most psalms are known for the first line of them. That used to be the title of the psalms. And all of our confidence and all of our hope can be tied up into that first line. That the Lord is my light and he is my salvation. Who should I fear? What should I fear? Why would I give myself into fear? He has won the biggest battle that he could fight on our behalf, which is our salvation. You cannot save yourself. I cannot save myself. God is not looking for good people. We are all sinners, and he saves us. And he fought the biggest battle by sending his son Jesus and killing his own son on our behalf to be our substitution and to ransom us and to bring us back and adopt us as his children. And so let's continue to keep with the U2 theme that we've had going on here lately. I, I love U2 even before I'd met Bob. <clears throat> but as I study this psalm, I keep thinking about a song that U2 has written called All I Want Is You. And I think it really encapsulates this entire psalm here. Here's a verse for you. It says, You say you'll give me eyes and a moon of blindness, a river in a time of dryness, a harbor in the tempest, but all the promises we make from the cradle to the grave when all I want is you. See, the focus of our hearts with all the curveballs of 2020 and personally all the things that we are going through, let our hearts not be focused on the presence of the evil and suffering, but to be focused on the fact that the Lord is ever present with us in the midst of it. The Lord is with you. You can take heart. You can trust him. So remember, as we're facing trials, with, uh, as we begin to face trials, we can lament and we can find our confidence and our hope in his refuge. We can run to his refuge for worship, remain in his refuge as we wait, and remember his refuge as he wins. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you give us this picture in Psalm 27 of what it's like to not fear and have that replaced with hope and confidence. 
Lord, help us to trust and to know and to see and behold you and your beauty and that you are our protection and our stronghold and our safety. You do hem us in. You do conceal us and hide us from harm. So, Lord, please be with us in the pain. Please be with us in the hardships of life. We need you. We love you. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.